Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today because God's Word is going to build you up to do the things that He has called you to do and to become the person that He has called you to be in Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, before we jump into today's message, let's first receive the tithes and offerings. Let's honor the Lord with the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And let's look at a scripture that will give us clarification concerning God's plan for our finances. Now, let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, and let's drop down the verse 28. And this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first, and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation, and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Now, Many of you, of course, in your walk with the Lord over the years and over a period of time, you have developed very wisely what could be called your secret place. Uh, Jesus referred to it as the prayer closet. When you go into your closet to pray, it's where you have your private devotional time with God. And you are to be commended for having established this, where you know there's a place and so often a time where you go to uh, draw near to the Lord and to sit at the feet of the master himself. Now, I want you to expand upon the concept of your secret place. And I want you to expand it into also being not only your secret place, watch this, but also your thinking place. Yes, put your hand on your head and say, I will also have my thinking place. And they can both be the same place, but you want your secret place also to extend to an area where it encompasses also your thinking place. Praise God. Now, yes, of course, in your secret place, you pray, you spend time with the Lord, but there's also other times where you need to sit in the presence of the Lord and have a pen and paper in hand. That way you can make, uh, through discussions with the Lord, you can make the best plans and you could utilize the best usage of your time and of your money and of the resources that God has placed within your hands. So, if you pray fervently, you can experience what we would call a breakthrough. And David experienced a breakthrough when the Lord gave him a tremendous victory over the Philistines. So there is a breakthrough anointing, and prayer can be the catalyst for that. But my friends, also, we need to understand that we see in Scripture as well that just as there can be a prayer breakthrough, there can also be a thinking breakthrough. Woo! Praise the Lord. And it's your thinking and your devotional time that leads to these great breakthroughs and to 
the completion of your tower, the completion of your project, the fulfillment of your dream. Praise the Lord. Yes, we should pray. But in the secret place, you know, there should also be uh, as the dew of heaven, as the mind of Christ uh, works in your life, there should also be thinking. Mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that thinking and with your praying and your obedience certainly will propel you into new levels of breakthrough. For example, if we want to begin a business, we need to gather practical facts and we need to dial in just on what our business is going to be. And then we need to ask ourselves, where are we going to source the goods from? And what time of year is the best time to buy or sell this product? What profit can we expect to make? And how can we win and be successful against other like competitors in an open market environment? In other words, there's not just praying, God bless my business. God bless my business. There's also thanking. Mm -mm. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down First, yes, Pastor Stephen, we need to sit down and pray. <laughs> yes, but also sit down and analyze the cost, what it's going to require, the commitment, and the products and materials to get all of this accomplished. You know, we need to be praying, believing, faith filled Christians, and we also need to be thanking Christians where we utilize the full potential of our minds. Look, you can do a million things literally with your mind. Your mind is ready to go, but you're going to have to stop and listen and talk these things out with God. So you can utilize the anointing of Christ, the mind of Christ that you now have full access to praise the Lord. Let me give you another example. We talked about perhaps starting a business, but maybe a person feels called to ministry and they sense a calling by God to move towards ministry. But it's important to understand that ministry requires more than just a strong prayer life. It requires actually more than having an anointing. It requires more than a calling and it also requires more than just teaching messages. You know, I finished a television interview on live television just a few days ago. Uh, maybe it's been a couple of weeks now. Time flies. Uh, I think it has. It's closer to a couple of weeks now instead of just a few days. But once the program was over and the live uh, program went off the air, well, one of the cameramen came over to me, and he was a young fella and uh, very ambitious in life, and uh, he was really drawn to the things I shared, and he expressed to me one-on-one that he believes that God has a calling for him in ministry. And I could sense that too. I didn't doubt it one bit. So he sat down and he began to ask me questions about ministry because he's very drawn to the area, particularly of prophetic type ministry, uh, you know, dreams, the supernatural, the visions and things like that. And so I talked with him and shared some things with him and he's seen ministry from one angle. And as I look at him, having some years and experience under my belt, so to speak, I can look at him and I can plainly see the one primary thing he needs. And what's interesting is that he doesn't know that this is the primary thing he needs. He thinks he needs more anointing. He needs to pray more. 
He needs to, uh, you know, maybe do a longer fast. <laughs> and all of that is good. But really the greatest thing when I talked with him that I could tell that he needed was what? Wisdom. Because ministry is not just talking or ministering, laying hands on people. Ministry, you have to have administration. You have to be able to uh, understand the flow and be able to pick up on those types of things and also administrate. So oftentimes I talk with young ministers, yes, about the anointing and all of that, but some other areas that are also not often discussed. Hey, have you incorporated your ministry? Well, what is that? Well, that's something that you need to do and find out because if you're going to be receiving offerings and you really do feel called, which that would take you into direction where you're, you're going to do this full time, you need to have your ministry incorporated so that people can give to your ministry and receive the blessing, the benefit of a tax deduction. I mean, they had that back in Israel. So why wouldn't you take advantage of something like that when the government allows that blessing? Well, okay, I need to do that. Yes, you do. And here's how you do it. This, like this, like this, like this, and uh, boom, and you'll have it done. Now, do you have a ministry website? Oh, I didn't know I needed that. I just want to go out and start preaching. <laughs> well, they're going to want to know who you are. Well, good. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I'll set one on, uh, up on my Facebook page. No. Anytime a minister only has a website based on a Facebook page, most likely you're looking at somebody that's not really making an aim to do this full time. Maybe they're just doing ministry on the side and they'll let Facebook, you know, carry the load form or something like that. But eventually you're going to want to have your own product store. You're going to want to have your own home base and begin to uh, make more of an impact through establishing your own ministry website. So yes, there is praying. Yes, there's preaching and all of that. Uh, but you're going to have to look at these other areas as well that would encapsulate these areas of wisdom, such as sit down first and count the cost. Pastor Stephen, yes, I, the more you talk, the more I'm persuaded that I'm supposed to go in the ministry. Good. Okay, good. Now, uh, we're going to get your training at. Uh, what do you mean training? I'm ready to go now. No, nobody's ready to go right off the bat. No surgeon is ready to have a scalpel put in his hand and be ushered into the brain room operation. Yeah, just go in there and figure it out as you go. <laughs> no, there's training. There's equipping. And there is the need for schools of ministry so that you can be taught the Word of God. And of course, you want to go to one that is vibrant, that's alive in faith, and doesn't compromise the Word of God. There are seminaries that are so dead out there that so strip the faith out of young, uh, hungry, vibrant, vibrant students that by the time they come out, they actually call the seminaries cemeteries. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a joke, but in some ways it's true because you can have people on staff that teach at seminaries that don't even believe in the virgin birth. Okay, so don't go to a place like that. But still, you need to be trained and equipped and raised up in the things of God. Yes, there is things about God that uh, they are better caught than taught, but that doesn't negate the need for teaching and training. Praise the Lord. And any career field that God is taking you into, you're going to want to get knowledge and learn and learn and learn. And that that will take you to the top. Praise the Lord. But my friends, these are things that we have to cover. Praise the Lord. So have your secret place. And I could tell well, that young man, he had a secret place, but not only have a secret place, but allow the secret place to be broad enough to also encompass what the thinking place. Woo. 
the thinking place. Pastor Stephen, I'm ready to give my tithe and offering. And when I do, I know money's coming to me and God's going to bless me. God's going to bless you, but you have to remember God's prosperity plan is a package deal. Yes, you tithe. And yes, you sow seed. But, but also, you're going to have to think. You're going to have to think, and God's going to work with you with your mind to show you ways to capture the harvest, to recognize the harvest, to make full utilization of every good blessing that He wants to bring into your life. And in order to see that really be the fullness of what God wants it to be, you're going to have to think, 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 and use your mind. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. Praise God. One more amazing scripture. We actually looked at this one on the previous morning glory show on Wednesday morning, but look at Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. And the scripture says, come now, let us reason together. This is the Lord speaking. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Now the phrase reason together means to prove something out, talk it back and forth so that it can be analyzed and it can be thought about. And there can be a level of thinking where you think your way through this process. And this phrase reason together in the Hebrew actually has a figurative meaning that means to be in the sunshine. So my friends, you're going to have to think and your thinking is based off the platform of God's word, which sets the standard between right and wrong wisdom and foolishness and light and darkness. And as the, as you meditate upon the word of God and you sit down and think in the secret place, which is also now your thinking place, then my friends, you reason together with the Lord and you end up where in the sunshine and you know what to do. Why? You've counted the cost. You know what's, what it requires, and you're all in. Praise God. Now, I've got a red folder right here. This is something that I carry in my briefcase. And as you know, one of our ministry projects, which is one of the primary ministry projects, we have the Pure Gold Television Ministry Outreach, which is a global outreach. Each week, we are speaking to a satellite footprint of over one billion people. And we also are working on a major project, which is the birth of the aviation branch of our uh, ministry. And so this would be the, uh, for the hangar and for the mission jet, a jet that has enough range to take us often to the impoverished nations of the world to preach the gospel, the full gospel, and to be there in person to minister to those people in the name of Christ. And so what does that mean for the ministry? It means we have to sit down and think what's all involved. I've got all the numbers. I know exactly how much the aircraft will cost, which is going to be a Falcon 50. I know all of the other numbers, the crew salary, the crew training, the hangar, the insurance price, the management fees. Uh, I know all of the total fixed costs, all of the variable costs, such as the fuel, the maintenance, the engine overhaul, the, uh, the uh, landing fees, and, uh, and on and on it goes with these little things. So there is a monthly budget, there is an annual budget, and you have to know the numbers because we must be able to not only lay a foundation, but we must be able to build the structure so that Christ is glorified. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. 
So, Pastor Stephen, I guess in your secret place, you're not just always doing this. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, I lift my hands and I worship the Lord and I praise God and I pray. But yes, there's also thanking. There's also thanking. So some of you, bless your hearts, you, you need to do this. Ooh, oh, oh, yes, Lord, I worship you. You know, do all that. Have your good time with the Lord. But there need to be other times when the Lord wants to download to you and bless you for spending time with him that you're there with your notepad open and your pen and you're writing things to, down that you need to do when you come out of your secret place. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, let us now bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God with a clear understanding that we are going to complete all that God has called us to do. This ministry is under mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish certain things. You also have assignments in your life that, that the Lord fully intends for you to get them done. And lest men mock and scoff, you are going to be a person that is not only a worshiper, not only a prayer, but also a thinker, and thus your projects are going to be completed as well. Now, let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Praise God, because this helps the ministry to win the lost for Christ. This helps the ministry to go further on every available platform to take the gospel around the world, and we want to do our part to honor the Lord with this. So bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you prefer to mail them in, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do that as well. From anywhere in the world, day or night, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the page that has a red heart on it, and it says give. You can click on that, and you will see the section for the tithe, and you will see some projects that we're working on. You'll even see the aviation hangar project, praise the Lord, and that is available to sow into as well. You know, I have a, a, a pastor, a minister friend of mine, and he said, Stephen, he said, I was... Um, walking through the church sanctuary on a Sunday morning after the service was over. And I was going to go back to my office, and one of my, one of my church members came up to me, and he, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, you need a jet, don't you, to do what God has called you to do? He said, yes, I do. He goes, well, he said, well, how much, how much money do you, do you need? And he just pulled his checkbook, checkbook out and had a pen and opened up his checkbook, and he's ready to write. And he said, how much money do you need? And the pastor said, this is how much I need. And he told him the amount is some millions of dollars, as you can imagine. And the guy just wrote a check just like that, uh, tore it off the checkbook, and gave it to him. And the pastor cashed it, or excuse me, not cashed it, but deposited it in the bank, went out and got his jet. Now, can you imagine if that man would have said, Pastor, how much, how much money do you need? And he said, well, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I have, that's a good question. I need to sit down and think about that. The guy would have closed his checkbook back up, would have put it back in his pocket, and probably would have not had said, well, when you're ready, let me know. No, he probably would have realized a person like that's not going to get ready. <laughs> you have to plan. You have to already know these things. Mm -mm. Glory to God.
Mm. I think this is an area within the body of Christ where we must do better in these areas of planning. Well, I'll tell one more story. I have a, a friend, a, a local businessman, that um, he lives in, in Moravian Falls. And uh, while he lives here, he travels out a whole lot. And he used to work for Microsoft. He used to work uh, very close um, uh, underneath Bill Gates. And he made a lot of money. Matter of fact, when I was at his house one time, I said, wow. I said, I said my brother, you have an absolutely beautiful home. It's a huge home, uh, way up on a mountain, beautiful view. And I said, you got a beautiful home. He said, um, he said, thank you, Stephen. He said, when I got out of Microsoft, I just took a bunch of my stock and cashed it out, <laughs> sold it. <laughs> and I, I paid for this house. It's all debt free. I said, well, praise the Lord. And we actually recorded meetings up at his house. And uh, he's still a good friend today. But that, that man that I'm referring to with a beautiful home, because he has been around a lot of the top levels of corporate America, there, he told me there's things about the American church. He said, Stephen, he said, uh, I can't speak for other churches around the, you know, the uh, other parts of the world. I haven't been there. But he just said, he said, I, he said, I just don't see a lot of planning. I don't see a lot of structure uh, or organization in the church. And he said, he said, some of that holds me back from giving. I said, well, brother, you shouldn't let it hold you back from giving because there are plenty of ministries that have their ducks lined up in a row that have things in order. You know, sometimes people make excuses for why they don't really want to serve God or give. Really, a lot of that can be excuses. But at the same time, I think there is an element of truth of what he was saying where there needs to be better structure. And at the same time, uh, he said, Stephen, he said, you're doing such a good job because we were using his camera and lights and stuff like that. He said, I just give all of it to you and your ministry. And that's actually what has got, got us started <laughs> in the, the ministry of streaming and things like that. He gave me a very uh, high-end uh, Canon camera at that time and a whole lighting package. And you know what? We, we utilized it. We put it to work. I didn't sit it over in the corner. We utilized it. And givers, they want the, they want to give and they want that to be utilized for what they're giving it towards. Praise God. And I'll tell you one thing, when we get our mission jet, that's not going to be a hanger queen. You know what I mean by that? Something where you just, you just give me a plane so I can stick it in the hanger so I can say I've got one. Oh no, Lord have mercy. No, we're going to be flying that thing all over the world, preaching the gospel. And I'll still be here twice a week to minister to you the good word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. Praise God. All right. As you're bringing your tithes and offerings in, let me pray for you. Father, I pray. I pray for wisdom to be upon your people while they have a heart of prayer and while they have a passion to walk close to you. I pray, Father God, that you also help them to expand their secret place into also a thinking place. And Father, may they never ever another day of their life be in the secret place without a pen and a notepad to write down the revelations and the divine instructions that you're going to give them to help plan the building of the tower all the way through to completion. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we all agree and say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, so let's head now into today's message, which is titled Principles of dream fulfillment. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with the spirit 
of wisdom and unveiling so that we can see your word, take its truths and apply them to our lives today. Now, thank you, Father, that your word is spiritual food to us. And we thank you that we eat the finest of the wheat, the finest of the land. And we thank you for nourishing us spiritually through your word in Jesus name. We all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. Today we're talking about principles of dream fulfillment. First Samuel chapter one, verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So here we see Hannah pledging to God her son, if he will give her a son, and she believes that he will. And so she's pledging in advance her son, and she's going further. Not only will she dedicate him to the Lord for uh, the temple service and to be the vessel that God wants to work through, but she also pledges that he will be a Nazarite all the days of his life, no razor shall come upon his head. Now she has tied into a principle here of dream fulfillment. And I want to show you how this works. Look very carefully as we are moving on from verse 11 to chapter two. Now let's go over to chapter two and verse 21. We know that the Lord gave her the miracle child that we call Samuel. Praise God. But look at verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived, watch this, and bore three sons and two daughters. Isn't that amazing? Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So she has Samuel, and now she has five more. So six children total that we see here recorded. What does that mean? It means, listen very carefully. A kingdom dream secures all other dreams. Did you notice that? It's very important. Here's the first principle of dream fulfillment. We must put God first. If we put God first, our dream will be realized. And we see in the life of Hannah that a kingdom dream in which she put God first, the interest of God first, a kingdom dream secures all other dreams. So we're talking about dream fulfillment, but my friends, your dream must be centered around a kingdom dream. Praise the Lord. We also see this very clearly in the book of Genesis. Let's go back to chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, verse 2. Five, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. The old King James version says nothing, which they imagine to do will be withheld from them. Some other modern translations say nothing that they plan to do. So there are these plans. There are these things that are proposed and they all link into imagination. 
And the Lord sees that they have the ability, the unity to pull it off. Verse 7, come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, we have to see here again that the primary reason why God frustrated the dream of those building the Tower of Babel was because it was not a God-centered dream. God knew they were capable of doing it. That's why he came down and frustrated their imagination, their plan that was going to be turned into a reality. Now, it is possible for those outside of Christ to carry forth certain dreams that maybe aren't Christ-centered, but the Lord can take it and use it for His glory somehow, some way, or for the advancement of His kingdom, and many times that's why He will allow it. But when He's working with His people, we need to stay with His principles, and the first principle of dream fulfillment is that the dream must put God first, because all kingdom dreams will secure all other dreams. Woo! Praise God. Mm-mm. You can have the lesser, but not have the greater. But if you get the greater, you get everything wrapped up in the package. So please make sure you put God first and keep your, your dream Christ-centered because every selfish dream for the believer is doomed to failure before it's even started. Oh, it's very dangerous to do your own thing, to go your own way in life as a child of God. Mm -mm. We want Jesus to be Savior and Lord in submission to His Lordship. Now, number two, it's very important that in order for your dreams to be fulfilled, number two, you must fully believe in the dream that God has given you. And you might think, well, I I believe Pastor Stephen. Well, we need to make sure we have this nailed down. And let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 37 and look at possibly the greatest dreamer in the Bible, outside of Christ, of course, with the dream and the vision that he had. But let's look here at the life of Joseph, the great dreamer. Mm -mm. I mean, you know you're a dreamer when people call you a dreamer. Wow. Genesis chapter 37. Let's go to verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Let me say this about jealousy. I think there are some, some things that you can do, the way you present yourself, the way you say certain things uh, in a spirit of humility that can uh, dial some of this potential jealousy down. But at the same time, we have to be honest and realize there are some people out there that no matter how humble you are, they're still going to find fault. They're still going to criticize and they're still going to mock and stuff like that. And they're still going to burn with envy and jealousy. So you must stay committed and you must truly believe in the dream that God has given you. Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Now let's go to verse 18. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. 
Praise God. This dreamer, and he's so crazy, he actually believes his dreams. Mm, woo, glory to God. This is powerful. I need to let you know, we live in a dreamer's world. And it's the dreamers that truly believe their dream that change things and produce amazing things. Think about Disney World. Think about the way that's, that's phrased. Uh, yes, it's a place you can go to. And, and then uh, out in California, you have Disneyland. But the original one in Florida, Disney World. This is his world that he created out of his imagination, out of his dream. Okay, this is what he created. And I think it's amazing that if you look at Walt Disney and the Disney World, the whole thing, the way that it originates, it all revolves around, you know where I'm going, it revolves around, it may sound, it may sound silly, and we know he was told by many that, was, that it was silly, but the whole thing revolves around a mouse. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that'll never work. A mouse? Nobody's going to go for that. But Disney loved his mouse cartoon that he created. He named the mouse Mickey, and it was the, the destiny moment that this was, it was his dream destiny, and that's what he produced, a mouse. And we're going to build an amusement park based around the mouse. Oh, no, that won't work. Well, it started working when he took it to uh, animated cartoons for television and for movies and so forth, short little films, and people loved it, and people ate it up. But Pastor Stephen, it's just a mouse. Yeah, it's a mouse that people loved, and he believed in his dream, and many people have enjoyed uh, many of the wonderful movies and so forth that were presented uh, back in those days, <laughs> and a few, a few today. Uh, many of them today, are they're all politicized. Uh, so, you know, they're all tweaked and, and stuff like that. It's hard today to make good movies because I've even heard liberal, <laughs> God-hating movie makers say, <laughs> we have no free license to make movies. All, they now all have to be bent in this direction. And, uh, so they're, they're frustrated too. But you can make those movies if, uh, as long as you don't need the financing from, or, or also the the way to broadcast them, different platforms to get them out. You can still get around those things with creativity. I believe we're going to see that. I believe there are some young believers that have dreams to do what? To make movies, good movies, not cheesy movies. Some of our evangelical movies are, we have to admit, there's a lot of cheese on them. They're really cheesy. And uh, so we, we have to do better with that. Praise God. But the movies, the inventions, the things that are out there, they come out of these dreams that people have. Praise the Lord. And Joseph, I believe, was the most fascinating dreamer that we could ever study. And he is moving in this dream belief without ever having a prophet come up to him and say, Joseph, thus saith the Lord. Uh, the Lord says that one day uh, you are going to rule. Uh, you're you going to rule over the Egyptians. No, nothing like that ever happened to him at all. But yet on the inside of him, he knew, this dreamer knew that he was destined to be a, a, a leader, a powerful leader that would save and rescue multitudes of people and even nations. Mm -mm. Now notice this. He believed it and he also spoke it. See, look at verse 6. So he said to them, his brothers, please Hear this dream, 
which I have dreamed. Yes, there is a time, I think, when you have a dream that maybe you need to assimilate it, get it into your spirit, and get it really settled within your heart. But yes, there does come the time, even if it provokes some jealousy, where you need to speak it, and you need to talk about it and put it out there, and that's what he did. And his brothers, if, if we look at the fullness of the story of how it's going to transpire, don't you know that his brothers needed to hear it also? Because later, it's all going to make sense. And if he never would have told them, it would not have had the drama baked into it that uh, all of God's stories do. Whoo, praise God. And they knew it. And they thought, oh, this is crazy. Well, it, the crazy came to pass. Mm -mm. So those brothers needed to hear it, and Joseph made sure that he did his part. Look at this in the book of Acts, chapter 4. And let's drop down to verse 20. Well, verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot, we cannot but speak, talk about it, the things we have seen and heard. Now listen, whatever you are afraid to proclaim, you have not truly dreamed it. Well, I, I, I had a dream, Pastor Stephen, uh, and I've had it occur multiple times, and I, I've seen it, I, and I've had this dream, and, but I don't, I don't want to tell anybody. Then no, no, I don't, I don't believe in your dream. If you will not proclaim it and tell it like Joseph did, follow his example, he's the king of the dreamers, then my friends, then people are not going to believe it. Mm -mm. Whatever you are afraid to proclaim, you have not truly dreamed it. Think for a moment. Here's an example. How about Martin, Lu uh, Martin Luther King Jr.? He gives a famous speech. I have a dream. Oh, uh, Martin Luther Jr., uh, tell us your dream. Oh, oh, no, I, I actually have one, but I, I can't tell anybody. Shh, shh. Well, what is your dream? Oh, no, I can't tell anybody. It's a secret just between me and God. Shh. You think, well, it must not be much of a dream then. Because while there can be a time to internalize it and uh, let the, the iron of it create the, the rod in your backbone of, of, of assurance, there will come a time you're going to have to start talking about it and put it out there. By the way, Martin Luther King Jr. certainly did. And Martin Luther, the original one, certainly did as well. So my friends, you must believe in the dream. You must believe in it that God has given you. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Number three, principle of dream fulfillment. You must pray consistently into your dream. Oh, I don't know about that one, Pastor Stephen. That might even sound unbiblical. No. Now think about this for a moment. You must pray consistently into your dream. All right. I can feel it in the spirit. There's an old sacred cow. There's an old religious tradition of a certain way of thinking. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to break the cow. Okay. The old uh, statue of a cow or maybe we could call it a religious mindset. Let's knock it over together. Let's take our Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six and the words of Jesus in verse seven. 
Jesus said, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. See, Pastor Stephen, we don't need to consistently or, for, or in a means of longevity pray about anything because that just turns into vain repetition. And God said, no vain repetitious prayers. See, see, Pastor Stephen, Jesus said it right there in the Bible. Now, watch if you catch this. This was a, a revelation when it was unveiled to me. Jesus said, and when you pray, do not use, notice, he did not say, do not use repetitive prayers. Woo! Did you catch that? Do not, he did not say, do not pray prayers that are repetitive. Do not pray the same thing more than twice. If you do, you're in total unbelief. No, he didn't say that. He said, and when you pray, do not use vain, vain repetitions as the heathen do. Well, what are prayers of vain repetition? Are you ready for this? They are prayers that God will never answer because they're not his will. And he will never back a dream like that, answer a dream like that. Why? It's vain. It's vain. He's not in it. And you can pray it every day for the rest of your life. And you can even have uh, 10 or 12 pastors come and pray it with you. But if it's vain in the eyes of God, it is now a vain, repetitious prayer. It will never be answered. Even if it comes to pass, God didn't do it. Woo! Praise the Lord. So you must pray consistently into your dream. You must pray into your dream. Pray into your dream. It's not vain repetition. When the dream is authenticated from God and you believe the dream and you know this is your, your, your tracking on the radar or the sonar for uh, all of you water Navy people, you're tracking, you've got it bleep, bleep, bleep on the image screen. You're tracking that dream. That's not a vain repetition. It may be repetitious, but it's not vain. Woo, praise God. Jesus, we thank you today. As a matter of fact, repetitious prayer can be one of the most effective ways of praying. Can I show you what I believe to be the most valuable verse in the Bible that you can pray if you want to every day? And if you want to, you may even want to pray it more than once in a day. Actually, God would encourage you to be repetitious on this. Can I show it to you? I believe the greatest prayer you could ever pray. I'm not talking about the sinner's prayer. I'm, I'm speaking to believers in this, in this context. Here's the greatest prayer I believe you could ever pray. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. And here it is. Father God of my Lord, Jesus Christ, father of glory, I pray that you give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of Jesus, in the knowledge of Jesus, in the knowledge of his word, the knowledge of his ways, the knowledge of his character. I want to know everything about him. And when you pray that, and you pray that, and you can, you can pray it every day because Paul is praying it for the church in Ephesus. And he says, I'm praying for you without ceasing. So he's praying and thanking God for them. What is he praying? That the spirit of wisdom and revelation touch them so they can see it. Not with their physical eyes, but with their spiritual eyes. They can understand the scriptures and the inheritance. Woo, praise God. So you can understand so that you may know, okay, what is the hope of his calling? What that inspires you to? What are the riches of his glory? Uh, 
of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness in context of his resurrection power working in your life. Wow. Mm -mm. Wow. Kenneth Hagin Jr. told the story about coming home from school one day, and his father had knelt down to pray, because a little, little tiny house they had, and knelt down to pray over in the corner, and he was praying, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And Kenneth Hagin Jr. said he woke up the next morning, and his dad was still there, hadn't moved all night long, praying, oh God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He, uh, Kenneth Hagin Jr. goes off to school, comes home from school. His dad's still there. <laughs> Oh, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, Pastor Steve, I don't understand how that Kenneth Hagin uh, Sr., I don't understand how he could teach so good. Boy, he had a lot of revelation, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, because he prayed until that descended upon him, that anointing of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And you keep praying it, you'll begin to understand the Bible. You'll begin to understand the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. Mm -mm. It begins to unlock it. You begin to see it. It's the greatest prayer you can pray, and you can pray it over and over and over. It's repetitious prayer, but it's not vain. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So number three, the number three principle of dream fulfillment is that we must pray consistently into our dream. And let's talk just for a moment about praying in tongues. I want you to pray for your dream in tongues, but I, I want you to exercise your mind while you're doing this. In other words, pray in tongues with a mental image of your dream being fulfilled. So you're not praying in English, you're praying in tongues. But you're not just walking around with an empty mind while, you're, while your spirit is being hooked up with God. But while your spirit is being hooked up with God, your spirit is now in direct communication also with the Holy Spirit who searches out the deep things of God and takes that information that you need and relays it back to your spirit. And your spirit, in order for you to have understanding, presents it to your mind. And then the illumination comes where? In your mind. And while you're praying in the spirit, you need to have a mental image. And see yourself in your mind. See yourself in a place where that dream is fulfilled and you're walking in it. Whatever that might be. But no, no empty tongues is what I'm trying to say. Let your mind be fully employed and syncing up with your spirit by sanctified visualization. As you pray in tongues, let there be a corresponding subject on your mind that subject of correspondence is the dream that you want to see manifested in other words pray in the spirit with a mission on your mind your mind is on a mission and you're seeing that thing come to pass you're seeing that dream happen through the miracle power of God through the favor of God the blessing of God praise God okay let's move on to number four the fourth principle for dream manifestation is that you must stay focused. Ooh, it's not easy. You must stay focused on your dream. Sounds easy, but it's very, very challenging. Let me say this. The number one reason why dreams 
aren't manifested is because of broken focus, broken focus. What breaks our focus? <laughs> so often the, the primary thing that would endeavor to break our focus is trying to do too many things. And when you try to start doing a whole bunch of stuff, you begin to deviate from your primary assignment. So you must stay focused on your dream. Now, many years back, it was Dr. Oral Roberts who said that God never gives a man. And when I say man, I'm talking about men, women, believers. Okay. But he said, God never gives a man more than two assignments in his lifetime. He may have one primary, he'll, he'll always have one primary calling assignment at the most, at the most, maybe two, but that's it. Why? Because it will take all your focus and all your energy to do just that. I can prove it to you. When I say the name Billy Graham, what do you think? What immediately links in your mind to the name Billy Graham? World evangelism. World evangelism. If I say the name David Oyedipo, what does that link you to? A man that walks in a mandate of education where he's already started four universities and they're thriving and they're selected areas of subjectivity and they are revolutionizing the African continent. Praise the Lord. And don't forget, he also has a church with 400,000 members. Praise the Lord. When I say the name David Youngie Cho, what does that connect you to? What does your mind think? Oh, church growth. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> With a church of 800,000 members, I'd say yes, that's probably his lane. That's probably what he's good at. He's doing his thing. Can you imagine taking a man who pastored a church that grew to 800,000 members and saying, we better put you in a different assignment. Oh, no, no, no. He is staying focused on his dream, bringing it into manifestation, and then not getting off of it, standing on it, pushing it to its highest limit. And the truth is, is that actually he had, he had well over a million members, but there was a certain point they were getting so many people one to the Lord, and the church was growing so fast, they couldn't handle the growth, so they just, they just sent a lot of the new converts out to other pre-existing churches, and uh, there's no telling how large the church actually was. And we're talking also about the, those that are counted as church members, they're tithers, they're tithers, 800,000 member tithing church, spirit filled tithing church. Praise God. He's in heaven now. I'm sure he's enjoying himself. Mm. Think about Moses pastored 3 million people, pastored 3 million people. Why? He's in his He's in his lane. He's fully focused. When I say the name Michael Jordan, what do you think? You think what everybody else in the world thinks. You think basketball. Basketball. By the way, what happened with Michael Jordan when he had a desire, maybe we could say lost focus, when he had a desire to play baseball. He really wanted to play baseball. Well, he's a famous well, the most famous basketball player in the world, and they thought, well, let's, let's let him get it out of his system. And so they assigned him or let him join a, a minor league baseball team. Not, not the majors, no. Minor, minor league 
And he couldn't even make the minor league team. You should see how he awkward he looked running from home the first, uh, first base if he ever got a hit, which he hardly ever did. He just didn't have it. But you put him on the basketball court, he's the greatest player on the planet. Wow. Stay focused on your dream. Stay focused. Stop trying to do all kinds of stuff, other stuff. That's not your primary role. Now, you may have to wear some multiple hats at various times, but you have to stay on the main thing, which is your dream. Thank you, Jesus. When I say the name McDonald's restaurant, what do you think of? You think of, you think hamburgers. And they're kind of changing their sign slogans now. It used to say on the McDonald's sign, billions and billions served. I think it says something different now. But the fact of the matter is, is when you think McDonald's, you think hamburgers pretty much. And, and, and their french fries. But do you remember it was about maybe 15 years ago, they wanted to try a new marketing approach. And they, they said we should, you know, some advisor said you should expand your menu. And so they expanded it and they put pizza on it. <laughs> Oh, I tried it one time. It was no good. It was no good. Domino's could beat them. Papa John's could beat them. Everybody could beat them. That was not their thing. What had happened? They just had a time where they lost focus. And instead of getting the best burger in the fastest, most efficient way, you know, place your order, come around in 30 seconds and pick it up. Uh, somehow they lost their focus and got into lasagna and got in the pizza. As you know, that stuff's all gone today. Even the Mac Cafe, uh, Theory didn't really take off here in North America. I was in, uh, where was it, Hamburg? No, not somewhere else. Frankfurt, Germany, I think. And the Mac Cafe was phenomenal in Europe because they like nice pastries and stuff like that and nice lattes. But when they launched it in America, it was just like real low end, uh, you know, croissants or stuff like that. Nobody went for it. <laughs> and so I think the only remnants left of that are like, the, you know, their, their frappuccino drinks or something like that. Frappes or whatever they call them, but uh, I, I don't like it. They're, they don't taste good to me. So, but burgers, fries, yeah, that's their thing. So you stay focused. And remember, the number one reason that people never see their dreams fully manifested is because something breaks their focus, and it's usually trying to do too many things. Praise the Lord. Number five for dream fulfillment is that you must not allow your dreams to be hindered. A dream is a mental picture of a desired end. When we can see the desired end, it supplies us with inner strength to accomplish the dream. Woo! Praise God. So don't let anything hinder your dream. We see this in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. And let's go to verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see, all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. God did not expect him to see all of that land with his physical eyes. Even if he went up to the top of a skyscraper, he can't, he's not going to be able to see over certain mountain ranges or all this stuff. He can't see it, but God wants him to see it with a mental picture in his mind of the desired end of that prophetic promise. And he wants you to do the same thing. Praise the Lord. My friends, if we're not seeing anything 
I'm talking about endeavoring to see the dream and the finished end result of crossing the finish line with it manifested. If you're not able to visualize that mentally and see that, if you can't see anything, then you're not going to get anything. That may sound a little rough, and I don't want to discourage anybody, but I would like to pull people out of a false, a false hope where they're just hoping something happens. My friends, you have to see it. You have to see yourself standing, standing in that, in that place. Mm -mm. It may take 10, 15, 20 years to get there, but you'll get there. You'll get there, but you have to see it. And then you carry that vision onward with you as you go. Years ago, before we ever even got on television, I already knew that God had that in my spiritual DNA. And then a door opened and I began to record programs. They began to go all over the world. And I recorded in other people's networks and uh, in other people's studios and did that for years and years and years. And it kept growing and it kept growing. And then of course, with so many of your help, many of you that are pure gold covenant partners and those that have supported the pure gold television program, we have now expanded with our own studio in Charlotte and the programs are now reaching over 1.1 billion people. Praise God. Hallelujah. The same thing with my books. I could see it before it ever happened. And even as I was working on my first book, I just, I just could see these books going around the world. And today the emails come in, sometimes letters or cards saying, Pastor Stephen, I read your book from Germany, or I'm reading your book in the, the Congo, or I'm reading your book in South Korea, and it has blessed my life. And I really look forward to one day when I can meet you. And I tell you what, that touches my heart. But my friends, I must let you know, I could see that happening years back before the books were even written. And I was writing the first one, I could see it happening, then the second, third, fourth, and etc. And on we go. Praise God. But you have to see it up here. You have to have that vision. Praise the Lord. For all the land which you see. He's, he's not talking again about seeing it physically. He's not able to do that in that one moment. But God says, see it up here and see the end result before it ever comes to pass. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is important because we don't ever want to sit on somebody else's destiny or, or crush their dream because we can't see it. So let me speak to parents just for a moment. Parents, please be careful that you never hinder a godly dream that your, that your child may already be able to see and is wanting to gravitate towards. Because young children, they're still very sensitive to the things of God because they're, they're young. And, you know, of course, you can develop that. If you walk with the Lord, you know, as a believer and so forth, but they, they can have an awareness of where God wants them to be going and moving towards. So you want to be careful that when they're picking up on that, that you don't try to implement your dream uh, upon, the, upon their life. Many young children, I'm going to make a statement that I think some parents should consider. Many young children are forced to live the mist opportunity of their parents. I want to say it again. Many young children are forced by the parents to live the missed opportunities of the particular parent. Mm -mm. In other words, the parent never accomplished a certain dream that he or she had. So they're going to now try to live their life vicariously through the child by pushing that child into that 
dream that they have, even if the child doesn't want it, even if the child doesn't have it, you know, the, the gifting or whatever, they're going to do it. This often can end up in some very disturbed children later in life. You know, we have a very fa famous, I'll, I'll, I'll use, I'll try to veil a little bit of this. We have a Hollywood celebrity in our close family, not the immediate family, but the close family. I've been around this person many times before, you know, sat down, ate next to the person, talked with the person. This person's very famous in Hollywood right now. And the interesting thing is that this person's parent, before this person was ever born, this person's parent, guess what the mother wanted to be? A Hollywood actress. She wanted to be famous in Hollywood. And it never worked out. It never worked out. She tried to do this and that and knock on doors and tried to do this and that. And it never worked out. She wanted it so bad, but it never happened. So she has a child. And guess what she's going to do? This is what she did. She took that child to audition after audition and was constantly in L.A., constantly in Hollywood, uh, getting the child in the small roles, small roles here, small commercial there. And in order to get through certain doors, had to expose this precious child to many of the great perversions that are in that industry. Now, this woman's a Christian, and she's like, well, I, I would never let anything happen to my child. But so much of that culture is a compromised culture. And uh, the truth of what you hear a lot of times with the Harvey Weinsteins or these types of exposures, there's a lot of that. And it's, there's monsters that are still in these industries doing things, uh, manipulating children and things like that. A lot of, per lot of perversion. Well, this mother kept you know, pushing the child, pushing the child. And eventually a big door opened after years and years and years of just hustling every day, every day, driving back and forth and audition, audition. Well, a big door opened and then another door opened and then a bigger door would open if the, if this now grown up young lady will take the role and, you know, do some naughty things. Well, she decided to do it. Remember this all started off where Christians will never compromise. Now there's compromise. Now this person is doing this role and it's bad. It's bad. Then it went from bad to worse. But the person kept becoming more famous. You know, I'm talking like 6 million Instagram followers or, you know, stuff like that, known around the world. And, but I know for a fact, I know for a fact just to live every day and hold her, for this person to hold themselves together, they're on drugs. They're taking certain um, real, uh, you know, not good drugs. I'm not talking about, you know, stuff you can get from the doctor. I'm talking about bad stuff because the stress and the pressure and not knowing who they really are. And also being in a place God never called you to be. And that's why you got that mess. Well, they won't walk away from it now because all the money. And the money's through the roof. But they won't walk away from it now. But my parents, be very careful in this area. Pastor Stephen, my son will be a doctor. Why? Because we're all doctors. He will be a doctor. She will be a doctor. Pastor Stephen, my daughter, will. Uh, she's going to be a lawyer. Why? Well, that, because that's what we want. That's, that's what we want for her. Hmm. Hmm. But if you look at their life, you realize, wait a minute, there's no doctoring on the inside of them. There's no lawyering on the inside of her. Why are you trying to push them in that direction? Parents, please don't sit on the destiny of your child. Hmm. Let God... 
who is their creator, determine the course of their life. And then as they move into it, encourage and support them in that direction. Because remember, when God's in it, it will glorify him. It will, it will enhance his kingdom. And it will have eternal reward. Why would you want to go in some other direction? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Number six, in closing, considering dream fulfillment and principles we must walk in. Number six, don't let anyone dash your dream destiny. Oh, oh, this is very, very important. Very, very important. Watch this. John chapter 2. Let's go over to John chapter 2, verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. My friends, there's no way that any man, including myself, can know everything. Pastor Stephen, I want your advice. I really believe God's taking me in this direction, and it could be a really good thing. But I, I don't know everything. And the only one that knows everything is God. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. And He has access to every single fact on earth, every eternal fact within the universe and beyond. So God knows the end from the beginning. So we must lean on him because it is possible. This is the danger zone for even a well-meaning man of God, or even a woman of God to perhaps out of love and care or even soulish emotion, advise or endeavor to direct in a direction that would actually take you away from the dream that God has put in your heart. Mm -mm. And these are things we have to walk out very, very carefully. I'll give you an example. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Praise the Lord. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must, it's not optional, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke this word openly. <gasps> then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine if Jesus would have said, Peter, I tell you what, you know what? You're my right hand man. And I, I really, I really need to listen to what you say because you know, you got a lot of advice. You're a fisherman and you understand some good things in life. I'd tell you what, Peter, maybe, maybe I shouldn't go through with this after all, you know, uh, who wants to get killed prematurely? Yes, Jesus, you're right. Now just listen to me and everything. We're going to work this out. Right. Now we know you're going to be the Messiah, but we got to play this right. We got to work this the right way. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. If Jesus were to listen to Peter, it would have shipwrecked his ministry. Hmm. Wow. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God. That's where the problem is. People that maybe have good intentions, people that maybe are even tried to express, uh, you know, like a, like a warmness or kindness or, or like a, like a, like a family type love towards you. But they're not mindful of the things of God. They're very 
sensitive to the things of men. Yes. But God could say, this is my dream for you. Go this direction and I will manifest this for you. Walk this out. And my friends, when you've heard from God, the conversation's over about trying to debate this thing out. All you have to do from that point on is walk it out and do it. And at all costs, get the job accomplished. Pastor Steve, we need to have a committee. No, you don't need to have a committee if God's already told you to do this. <laughs> Why? Because you're going to have all, you, you, you're going to set yourself up. The devil will work on the people on the committee to say, oh no, oh no, mm, no, no, no. Mm. Think of all the things that we have today that if the creators, the dreamers would have listened to all the naysayers, it never would have happened. Never would have happened. No Disney world, no star Wars. Uh, no, and it just goes on and on and on, on and on and on. All the ingenuity, all the dreams, all the creative activity, all the inspiration killed by a committee mm. of wise men. Yes. But men that they're not picking up on the wavelength that you're picking up on with God. And just because God has told them not to do it does not mean that he didn't tell you that you could. And that's oftentimes where the difference is. Well, God told me not to touch it. Well, that's, that's great that God told you that, but I'm just saying there can be variables. We're not talking about breaking commandments or something like that. We're just talking about everybody has their own lane. Mm -mm. So don't let anyone dash your dream destiny because they may be, they may be comparing your dream and they're saying, well, I don't have a dream like that. I can't relate to that. So therefore you shouldn't do it. But the whole time, because you're wired for that, you're thinking, no, I can do it. Now, I have faced these things in my own life before. I have spoken with people that have loved me and have had good intentions and have advised me wrongly, saying, I, I don't think, you know, that would, you know, I, I was advised, don't go into the ministry. And uh, I was also told, you don't have a calling. I was told all kinds of stuff, <laughs> but yet here I am <laughs> and the anointing is here and the calling is here. And I know that even if they can't pick that up mm -mm. now today, because I'm walking with the Lord, I am in the ministry. I can get around others that may have a calling and I can instantly know it. If they're called into the ministry, I can know it. And I can also tell you if they're not. And one of the worst things to do is to get into something or, uh, you have a, you have a wrong vision or wrong dream and you stand in it. It doesn't matter. Let's take the ministry for, for example, if God has not called you to the ministry, but yet you dream of being in the ministry and you want to get in it and you want to be successful, you'll never reach the top. You'll never be successful in ministry. You can learn Hebrew and Greek and speak it forwards and backwards, and you can pray 10 hours a day, but you will have to be working and working. But whereas Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when you're walking in that grace, you also have supernatural equipment that goes with that office and there's no struggle. And when, and when you excel and when you apply yourself, you begin to rise to the top, begin to rise to the top. But if you take somebody and that calling is not there, it's just, it's never going to, it's never going to really hit any kind of high level. I watched a piano player a couple of days ago that was a really, really good piano player. And I watched this person play and I just thought one thing came to my mind instantly. I believe it came to my spirit. I watched this person play and although the person was technically very, very good, 
I just thought he was supposed to do something completely different in life. You know, there are a lot of, this is a real stronghold in Asia. There are a lot of parents in Asia, they have this thing that hits their mind. My daughter, she's going to be a violinist. She's going to be a prodigy. Or he's going to be a, pan, a piano virtuoso. Yes, and we're going to get them in the classes, and they're going to practice 12 hours a day. Yet they have no inner gifting from God to play the piano. Well, if you practice 12 hours a day, you're going to learn. But still, if it's not God's dream, it, it'll still, there'll be something really weird missing. And I looked at that piano player while this person was playing. And just, you could just tell he's not called to do that. Could he play, could he push the right keys? Yeah. But he looked really goofy, honestly. He looked really goofy when he did it. And it did, I, it, the music didn't like, I didn't like any of it. And you know, the, you know his claim to fame? He used to play at times with so-and-so. And I thought, well, of course, because so-and-so is called by God to do that. But just because you tried to associate with so-and-so and who is at the very peak of that industry, of that career field, doesn't mean that just because you practice 12 hours a day, you're going to arrive at the same spot. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you may have some that try to talk you into a wrong dream. Don't go that. You know, Kenneth Hagin said he always had people telling him, I see you with a big tent. Yes, the Lord shows me you're going to have a big tent and do outdoor meetings. And Kenneth Hagin would just smile. And he said, God never told me ever to get a tent. God told me the minister in churches told me. He never said anything ever about a tent. So people can try to take you into, maybe they, they want a tent, okay? Watch out for stuff like that. And of course, I think also very dangerous is those that say, you can't. You can't do that. Nobody will support that. There's no, there's no uh, ears to listen to that, or there's no whatever the case might be. Follow the dream God has given you. God has given you. You'll see it. You'll be able to talk it. You'll be able to speak it. You'll be able to walk it out. And you'll manifest it. Mm. And then, then you can have Joseph's brothers all around, and they've got to look at it. Now they've got to see you ruling a nation. I'm not saying you're going to rule a nation. I'm talking about Joseph. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But now look at, look at Brother Joseph. Oh, my goodness. He's in control of the whole country. Woo! See, that's why Joseph had to tell them. Any true dream from God that you believe with all of your heart and apply these principles will come to pass in your life. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching that they will make application of these six principles and walk in these truths. And I thank you that they'll reach the top mm -mm. and they'll be able to lift many others around them. Thank you, Father God. Mm, thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor that Father, even what mockers would say, here comes that dreamer. But yet, Father, it's actually a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor to the recipient of a true God-given dream. We thank you, Father, that just as Joseph's dreams came to pass, so would the dreams that originate from your heart that have been delivered to us by the witness of your Spirit 
and through supernatural means shall they also come to pass. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, true destiny, true direction in the path of where you're supposed to go comes from knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you've been on a path that maybe even was a good path, but it wasn't the God-ordained path, well, God can take those life experiences and He, could, he can pull things out of that that He can make apply and give you wisdom with the true direct calling. But um, you want to get into the main thing, because the other stuff uh, you're not going to get any credit for, no matter how good it is, if God didn't call you to do it. He cannot honor or reward disobedience. The whole thing about the kingdom is that we don't do our own thing. We do God's thing. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you truly cannot live the dream that you're supposed to dream because it's unveiled through Christ. It originates from Christ. He is the God that planned out your life before the world was ever created. Trust him. It's the best plan you could ever experience. <laughs> the dream that he has for you is better than anything that you could concoct or cook up on your own. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. All right. If you would like to get your heart right with God, turn from sin and receive eternal life. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again for my justification and salvation. Jesus, save me now. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my life completely to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And if you're a backslider and you used to belong to the Lord, but you've gotten off in the sin You've gotten a long ways off from God. Come back right now. Pray this prayer after me if that's you. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood and reestablish me in the plan that you have for my life. And help me to make, I ask that you make up the wasted time, the wasted years. Lord Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion. Today, I want to ask you to grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread, and let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy through this prayer, and we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we as the body of Christ are like flowers, some are roses, some are violets, some are tulips, just all these different colors and variety is what make the bouquet so beautiful. All of these different callings and different dream assignments. Thank you, Father. Some for medical, some for political, some for uh, church ministry, some for the scientific realm, career field. But Father God, we just thank you for the dream that you have placed within our hearts, and we give you glory for it right now. And we thank you that the fulfillment of it will glorify you. 
Thank you, Father God. And Father, as we receive the body of Jesus, we receive his word. Thank you, Father God. Let us not, let us not follow after any voice that would endeavor to pull us off the path. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you could really be tested in this. I have a friend that God called him in the ministry. He went and told his father, Dad, the, uh, God has called me in the ministry. I, I want to go off the minister school and be a minister. And his dad screamed in anger and said, What would you want to do something stupid like that for? He said, I have the business. My business, I've worked all these years. I'm ready to hand it over to you. And all of this has been prepared for you. Hmm. So you have the dream that God has for you, or you have something that man in his low level and his best efforts, regardless of what it might be, that can be presented to you as well. What will you do? Many, many have turned down the world's best in order to get God's best. Mm. And Jesus said, that which man highly esteems is an abomination in the eyes of God. And any self-willed plan or dream that does not glorify the Lord will not bear the fruit that is pleasing to God. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus, his flesh. We ask you for strength, grace, and courage. <laughs> we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Let's receive. Pastor Stephen, they just don't understand me. They didn't understand Joseph. Why, why would you expect they're all going to understand you? <laughs> None of the brothers understood Joseph. <laughs> they all thought he was crazy. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you have some of Joseph's brothers in your family, you know, or at your workplace or something like that. Well, you just keep going on uh, in your belief. Praise the Lord. One day they'll see. And God will be lifted up. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that you forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And Father, we forgive anybody, anyone who's sinned against us. Even Joseph's brothers who've maybe mocked or laughed. We forgive anybody. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Lord, we give you glory and praise. Now, the prophet Joel said in the last days, the Spirit of God would be poured out. Old men are going to have dreams. Young men are going to have visions. And my friends, there's an anointing right now for dreams, not just for old men. Pastor Stephen, I'm a 17-year-old man. Can I still have a, a dream? Yes, you can. You can have a dream and a vision. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. God wants to minister to you through dreams. I've had some remarkable dreams recently confirming what God has already spoken to me about assignment and so forth. And it's very, very encouraging. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. I'm praying for you this week that God would minister to you through a dream. 
That's very easy for the Lord to do because the Lord can send an angel and the angel carries the message in a dream form. And while you're sleeping, he just inserts that into your, the mind of your understanding as you're asleep and you will receive the dream. Praise God. Hallelujah. The unveiling of God's assignment and plan for your life, what that includes. Now we don't always get the full picture with perhaps what we would call one download, but you can certainly get, get enough to keep you busy for quite some time. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bless your people. Let the dreamers arise, because this is a dreamer's world. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see all you dreamers back next time. Bye-bye.